I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the first episode of Tom Lucy Plus One. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Tom Lucy. I'm a comedian. I'm 21 years old, and this is my new podcast where I chat to different people from the world of entertainment uh, every week. Um, before we start, I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who came to my shows at the Soho Theatre this week it was uh, amazing that so many people came and it was so much fun so thank you very much if you were one of those people i also have a bit of a confession to make uh you may have remember that 
I said in the introduction that the first guest this week was the brilliant Tom O'Dell. We have um, we have recorded an episode with Tom, but due to some uh, scheduling cock up on my part, uh, we are putting that episode out in a couple of weeks. Um, but we have a, a brilliant replacement in the form of Russell Kane. Uh, Russell is an incredible comedian and so intelligent, and he very kindly invited me round to his house, and we we talked for a couple of hours about loads of things, and uh, he's he's got a lot to say from himself, so I think you're really going to enjoy it. Um, so here it is. This is the first episode with the brilliant Russell Kane. It's just a really, really good shit from coconut oil. That's all it is. Imagine right. the poshest coconut oil you can think of. Yeah. It's got all the coconut flavour taken out of it. It's more like a thin liquid. And the particular triglycerides in there are what's called a caprylic acid C8, if you want to be technical. Okay. So those, tablespoon of that, tablespoon of that, whisk together as fast as you can, get a little hand whisk in a coffee. It's the best. <laughs> but I've seen you actually do that backstage. Yeah, yeah, I've got a portable whisk. Like a little portable whisk. <laughs> it's like a dildo or some sort of drug <laughs> implement. And uh, that's what I have, but it's called a bulletproof coffee. It's but then doesn't didn't I remember you saying to me that it take there's like a certain amount of time before it it like kicks in. It's like ten uh, minutes or something. Well, it's just it's you know what I always have it twenty minutes before I go on stage. I'm quite Asperger's about that. That's why, for example, there's a gig we're considering doing tonight. I won't name it on here. Yeah. And I've heard that gig is a bit like oh you're gonna be on in five minutes. Maybe it'll be ten. Oh you can be on in twenty. Yeah, that yeah. is my idea of hell. I've got like an Usain Bolt starter gun approach. I have to know what time you're on. I love to know. I love to know, rush, you're on in 20, rush, you're on in 15, 10, 5, 4, 3, and then someone likes to touch me. Like well, that's how I... Uh, breakfast TV presenter. That's how I get... It's just the energy. It's the amount of energy. It's yeah. not as bad as it was, because the nerves are better, but the amount of energy it takes to launch whatever I do on stage is like some sort of event in my brain. Yeah. And the coffee and the fat, which I do believe is the best source of energy for human beings, fat... From for, the butter. For any sort of good fat, but this particular drink is a handy way of delivering it. Yeah. I eat sort of lard, dripping, <laughs> avocado, coke, and then I protein second, and then, of course, evil carbs. I don't really eat many, unless I've, I've done a lot of exercise. So, yeah, that... that Plus timing gives is like the launch. If you watch, if you watch the start of my act, is the only bit I'm ever concerned about. Yeah. I don't, if a light breaks or a joke fails, fifteen minutes in, I don't care. I don't. I can't think of a gig I've lost yeah. fifteen minutes in. Yeah. I just can't think. It's just never happened because I'm not really material based. So yeah. I can't really accidentally go. So oh, what, Madeline McCann and the audience goes. <gasps> what have you said? I'm sort of yeah. personality and energy based. So once if you, you get started, you're not you're once okay. I go past that first five minutes and they're like, oh my god, I always thought he was a cunt. He's actually all right. Yeah. Once I've got past that, <laughs> which happens more and more the more TV you do, yeah, I feel like I can do anything. Like anything could go wrong. Like someone could pass out. There can be a fire drill, and we can leave the building and come back. But that takeoff from the runway is the most risky bit of stand up. It's the same as flight. In fact, the only most dangerous part of your flight. Once you're airborne after about two minutes, statistically you're safe. It's just taken up. Takeoff is absolutely lethal. For so what happens? Because I've not. I mean, I don't think I've ever spent much time with you after gigs. Is no. it? Is the come down afterwards quite severe? 
No, I'm, I tend to be, like, I really want to talk about the gig afterwards for about half an hour. I'll phone Lindsay, even though we've been married for four years and together for yeah. six years, and this happened, and there was a guy in the front row that said this. I mean, I'm still, like, I still have that, yeah. that level Is of... Is that why like, it's hard to then go and do another gig? Because you're just buzzing about the... It's one. just never as good. I just, it's just... I'm trying to think of a less crude analogy than, uh, uh, than wanking or fucking, but... <laughs> I'm sure it's very nice to fuck twice in a night, and many men, many men have done it. But no one on earth is going to tell me the second yeah. the second session is as good as that first <laughs> tingling electricity. And like I say, I'm not material based, so when you see me on stage, I'm very very rarely faking the surprise or emotions. Yeah. So to do that twice in a night is just the second one's just plastic. It doesn't mean you can't have a good plastic gig. You can have a good mechanical plastic gig yeah. to the point where the audience wouldn't even know. Yeah. But you can't have that mag- magical gig a second time. Not unless you don't. Not unless you hold something back on the first one. I, I remember this that story you told me about um, when you did McIntyre's TV show and they kept pushing your time back. That well, that happened to me then. So what? That it, I was supposed to be at the end of the first, in the middle of the first half, and then yeah. at the end of the first so half. So this is Michael McIntyre's. Big show. It's, it's the biggest comedy gig you can do on TV at yeah. the moment for yeah. a stand-up. I think about eight, seven, eight million. Yeah. Maybe more. I don't know what watch it. But all I know is you can't really get on TV before 9pm to 8 million people. It just doesn't happen. Your only yeah. other option is to go online and do your own stuff. Yeah. So I had to absolutely ace it. And, of course, you get a stage time, say, 8.30pm. But I know with my experience with TV... Yeah. I was being annoying. I thought just be. I kept checking, kept checking, and when I heard the ten minute delay, I was drinking my coffee more slowly, pacing myself a little bit, talking to people at the side of the stage to keep the banter engines going rather than <laughs> sitting in a corner. Yeah. And then they just said you're postponed to the second half. So what I did was I just reset all engines, made another coffee. <laughs> reset again. all engines. Yeah, because there was no point in me trying to jog on the spot and carry on because you'd go on too frantic yeah you go on you it is amazing you can be aggressive you wouldn't finish your sentences properly you might muddle your thoughts so i just went back up had a glass of water made another coffee and thought right my gig's in an hour pretend none of that happened and then i went on and it was just one of the best gigs of my career I yeah loved you smashed it, it. I, I loved saying it. it i loved it yeah. yeah i don't i've not worked with any other comic who has that sort of like pre-show i ha- it's the speed i Maybe if you spoke to Lee Evans or Phil Nichol Maybe actually, or someone yeah. like that, I don't know. But it's not what I'm doing is any better than anyone else. It's just a lot more energy and tends to be a lot quicker. Mm. So if you think about what we do is so complicated and difficult and scary and there's, there's so many decisions to make. When you put your foot on the stage yeah. and there's all these different audience members and you've seen someone, oh my God, and there's, there's someone there who might be from a a part of society you were about to talk about even though you're on their side is it going to throw the room oh shit do I drop my Windrush routine about uh, Jamaican immigrants do I do it do I all of that's going through your head yeah all of the, oh, the compares just fucking use the word that's in my first joke oh fuck 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 fuck, fuck. Oh, yeah. someone who's seen me before mouthing it's all going through your head now imagine that at ten times the speed mm. I don't have the ability to go hello is everyone alright find myself on stage give myself a second sort my head out I'm like good evening like that yeah and uh, it is amazing like when, when you go to watch like I remember being sort of 16 first time I went up to Edinburgh Festival yeah and my dad came up and I took him to watch your show did you the assembly rooms oh yeah you know the big one mm-hmm. it was quite a massive venue and um was it at the McEwen Hall 
Wasn't there, was it? No, it was um, up on... It was the, I don't remember what it's called. The assembly rooms, the, the oh, big shit. one. shit. Was that the, the one where room. I had to cancel a couple of shows because the sound was so bad? I think so, yeah. Did you come later in the run when it was a bit better? Yeah, it was great. Well, I just remember because it was like, obviously an hour, but it was like the fastest. It was just like... Just like the... Like, I've never seen my dad laugh as much. And I've, I've, it was so like, sort of fast. I'm not... And I'm not going... I've, like, I'm sure there are some comics that are like, hey, I'm going to be a high energy persona. But I'm not doing it for effect, that's what my normal... Yeah. Like, this is me chilled out in a lounge. I know, I know, yeah. <laughs> so it's that plus adrenaline. I've never got on top of the adrenaline. I've never I've yeah. never controlled it. I've never... The nerves have never settled. It's just... They, they're obviously never going to for me. So I've had to I've had to work with them. Yeah. So it, it's that is my actual, natural fucking... So what was thing. it like when you started doing open mics? Were you, were you that high-octane... It was horrific. Even at the beginning? It was, it was so bad. It was too, It was horrible. So I, I was working in an, on an office in an ad agency. Yeah. And we'd go for, all go for a night out. And the same thing started to happen in that office as happened with my friends when I was growing up. By the time we were next morning, we all having a coffee or a cup of tea, and I'm telling what's happened in the office, everyone's crying, laughing, even though everyone was there. All I'm doing is describing what happened. I'm not adding any words in. Yeah. I had no idea that that was a... A talent. I, that was just my personality. I've done it since I was a kid. Yeah. But because I was finally mixing with middle class people that knew about things like theatre and stand up, which I'd never really heard of, I went to a university that had no stand up club. And by the time I went to uni, I was so like working class snob. I was only interested in dead authors, philosophy, really intellectual shit. I, want, I absolutely was like adamant I was going to get a first class honours degree and I would, I would get the highest degree in my year above all the private school kids which I did so of course I missed all of the drama and theatrical society at my uni as well I was just like in book book books all week and then party hard at the weekend yeah I like techno and penguin classics they're my things <laughs> so I'd got I'd got all the way to graduation council estate A-levels there without ever having any contact with stand-up comedy in my entire life yeah. zero yeah. I'd never been to see it I knew nothing about it my only thing I knew was that my dad liked Jim Davison and Jimmy Jones and that Eddie Murphy was once a stand-up but was now an actor I'd never watched any of it it was the distant thing like if we talked about lacrosse now you're probably like, oh, sort of aware it exists yeah but it's just it's over there <laughs> right yeah I didn't know I thought I, I just didn't connect it with my personality that it just wasn't there but in the office it started to happen a few months after a a few weeks and months and obviously so many creative people when you're in advertising this guy said to me you are a natural stand-up have you ever been to watch it you should do it and I was like just did it. it just it never occurred to me yeah so I I started to write down over a period of about a month every time I told a story mm. to my pub and to my mates in the pub and they laughed I would write it down if it was one that was one I told before, like my nan walked in on me banking once when I was 18 and if I'm on a drink out of a new group of friends, I would always tell that story because it's just so unbelievable. Mm. So I wrote I wrote it down. I got five of those. <laughs> I remember that story from the show. Yeah, it's just <laughs> horrible. And, uh, and then, uh, and then I, I honestly sat down at a desk, Googled stand-up comedy. Yeah. It was, it was this disinterested. Clicked the first link, which was Comedy Cafe London. Any club could have come up, Comedy London. Phoned the first number. So yeah. can I try stand up? Yeah. And he said, yeah, I've got two weeks. You come down on a Wednesday unpaid. In those two weeks, I went to watch stand up for the first time yeah. just to see what all the fuss was about. Yeah. 
and went to a jongler's, don't remember who I saw, went to the comedy <laughs> store, only remember one act, funnily enough, who turned out to be the open spot, Susan Murray. I just, yeah. just remember really laughing at her. Yeah. Don't remember any of the other acts. I think the comp might have been Justin Morehouse. And I went to a couple of laughing horse gigs. Yeah. I think Liam Malone might have been on. Don't know. And that's all that's And all then I, your first gig was the comedy cafe. So I I was watching what I was watching was where they came on from, how you took the mic out the stand. I wasn't watching the stand-up. I was watching, oh, you're standing there. Oh, right, okay. I was like, because I just knew nothing. I can't imagine, like, I think, I, I sort of, with loads of comics, I can imagine when they started them being quite shit, but you, I can't, I, I imagine, I don't know, but I imagine in my head that you started and it, were the same as you are now. It, wor- it worked both in my favour and against me, my lack of knowledge. Yeah. Most stand-up, I was just... I started just as Live at the Apollo was commissioned for TV. Yeah. I think it was commissioned about 2004, 2005. Yeah. Thank God I hadn't seen it. Yeah. Because what my complete staggering ignorance of a joke and a punchline was taken for this breathtaking originality. Yeah. Which I've stuck to. I will do whole stories where people laugh and I go, yeah, anyway, and that's what happened at the end. Yeah. I don't I don't bother with punchlines if there's, if there's not one there. It doesn't bother me yeah. as long as the story's properly funny yeah. because I'm like hanging out with you genuinely telling you a story like in real life I wouldn't try and get to the end of this story now and there's a big <laughs> at the end so I, I treat my audience the same because I'm not really doing jokes and stuff I suppose that in normal conversation not every stories don't have no, like massive but yet, reveals you, at the end but yet you would still laugh your ass off with your mate t- telling yeah, each other yeah. the story and then there'd just be a comfortable pause and you talk about something else yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I didn't know I, sorry I didn't silence that I didn't know that wasn't a possibility I didn't know that wasn't a possibility yeah honestly. so I just went with my five stories uh, about my one about my nan and just told it at the comedy at the comedy cafe it was alright got a couple of laughs but most people probably don't on their first gig yeah but what went against me was Although I was the like monkey boy they wheeled out at the ad agency, so if we're pitching to a client, I always yeah. stood up and did the funny thing at the end. Yeah. I would get incredibly nervous even that. I used to do all the school plays at school, but I lost my nerve when I was about 13, and I just, public speaking, I just throw up, diarrhoea, yeah. the worst nerves you can imagine. I yeah. Mean, just the worst to the point where I, I think I just I was on the toilet constantly before that first gig and I went to walk out as well and Pete Jonas was like just do it mate think of it think about it like a thought you were going to leave well, I just I thought what am I doing I've got a fucking brilliant I'm a chair from a council state I've got yeah. a brilliant career yeah. I hate public speaking yeah. if I want a hobby do French or maybe do an MA in the evening which was something I wanted to do my masters yeah. What 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 am I what what is this about? Am I do I am I need my ego dick sucked? <laughs> I was just doing it because a friend at work told me to try it. Yeah. And then Pete Jonas grabbed my arm and he went, "You'll regret it if you don't try it." Yeah. So I went up, hand was like that with the microphone. It was all right, but that the two laughs I got were enough to make me think, "I'll do the one I've got booked in tomorrow." I booked two nights just to see if I would like it. The Wednesday and the Thursday. Yeah. So I went to the King's Head the next night. And it, you sort of queue up in a line at the side of the king's head, and it got to me, and I was like, "No, I'm definitely walking this time." And again, someone grabbed my arm, and was like, "Just try it." And I yeah. went on, and that one I smashed. Yeah. That one I fucking smashed. The second one, like, whew, I was like, I got off, and I was like, "What the fuck was that?" Yeah. That I just felt. I never felt anything like that in my life. Not even in advertising. I'd never felt that proper rush of. Let's face it, fucking, just the e- complete human yeah, yeah. ego. Yeah. The most at home I'd ever felt. I was like, I need to book a few more of these in. And inevitably, 
because I knew nothing. And then you just sort of got addicted to life one does. Yeah, but yeah. I knew, but because I knew nothing, I did have a couple of shockers. Yeah. But not, but I, I, but not I, as many as anyone else, I, might, I will admit that. But, but I didn't know that certain, th- certain things were happening. No one told, no one sat down and go, right, don't talk about wanking because all new comedians do it. No one sat me down and told me that. Yeah, yeah. No one said you need punchlines at the end. <laughs> no one told, there wasn't a book or a website. I think that's quite weird about, I was talking about this with someone the other day about stand-up where there's no, no one tells you what to do. You, you just... You have to work it all out yourself. No one at any point sits you down and goes. No. It's not like everything else in life. Someone teaches you how to do it. But my, but my, stand up, you just. But work most stand ups have been like, yeah, I've been watching Russell Howard since I was twelve. I've always loved stand up. I've been to Edinburgh with my. Most people have got some yeah, connection. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. I had nothing. Zero apart from my dad's Jimmy Jones DVDs that he would would yeah, be on yeah. in the background. Moving down to another thing about black fellas. So I didn't. I just didn't know anything. <laughs> So inevitably, when I, I got cocky, I think I was about eight gigs in and got booked to do a 20-minute set. Something ridiculous like that. Yeah. A 20-minute set after nine gigs up the creek Greenwich. Which is a lot. Like, being booked for 20 minutes is like a big thing. It's massive. Yeah. And I, I couldn't believe I was going to be paid. 180 quid, something obscene like that. Yeah. For me, just to talk shit into a mic. And I turned up, and it was different. Mm. Um, that club at that time, how can I say? They didn't just seem drunk. They seemed quite chemically assisted. <laughs> Very aggressive women who's this new kid. And the way you're brought on there at that time was, it's a new kid, give him a chance. Yeah. And I just went on and I was just like, oh, yeah, I love wanking, or whatever I was saying, just like I would to my mates. Yeah. And this audience were like, you know, like some ultra working class audiences can be like, we don't like feel, thank you, just because yeah. we're poor. Yeah. yeah. There's a bit of that. And I got booed off. And uh, I, I got... That was your first 20 minutes. Yeah, and I threw yeah. the money back at the promoter. I went, I mean, there's no way I'm taking that, keep it. And I ran out. I was crying by the time I was running down the street. Oh, no. And I realised, shit, you can't... I've been... Yes, okay, I'm blessed with energy and I can think up things really quickly and I know not many stand-ups have got that. Yeah. But you cannot fake experience. Yeah. Can't be faked. Getting used to being stood on stage where you've got that calm authority. Yeah. No one can jump that three years. It's three... It's just from experience. It's three years minimum. Yeah. For most, it's five. Yeah. Three years where you can walk onto stage and where you've done it so many times, the adrenaline isn't at the point where it can damage the gig. Where mine was every night, it was just a matter of time to yeah, something like that right. happen. Yeah, yeah. It's like a heart attack waiting to happen. Yeah. <laughs> because the adrenaline was so high and the nerves were so bad. So I just had to keep going three, four. Do, you, do you think, because I, I, I get, because I obviously wasn't around at that time when you mm. started, but the impression I get is that you, you were very what you were doing was so different to everyone else. There's no punchlines or anything. But do you, do you feel like, as much as, well, as much as that worked in your favour and you yeah. sort of had this reputation quite quickly, do you think that also drew the same amount of like hostility from other comics? It, it didn't draw hostility from comics that I know of. I mean, yeah. God knows what's said about you in dressing rooms when you're not there. Yeah. Uh, I was quite... So in real life, I'm really like loyal and friendly and I'm always chatty. I'm backstage now, I'm like so interested in what everyone's doing. Yeah. But then because of the nerves, I would have to sit on my own. So I probably came across quite... Un- it's really weird that, isn't it? Because there's loads of people who who are just nervous and shy before gigs, but but they get a reputation for being difficult to work with. But it's, it's well, not, they're just nervous. In, about- in the end, I, I excluded myself from the... Dr- I learned quickly just to turn up at the last minute because your yeah. nerves can affect everyone else. 
Yeah. I don't think that would have pissed anyone off. No. I think more the telly industry, because I, I got recognition quite quickly. Yeah. So by 2006, I'd been nominated for the Perry. I was doing, done my first telly so job. So that was two years after... I did a, an open spot in 2003, but I did... There's close a couple of open spots, but right. I, didn't, I didn't start doing it properly because of my job till 2006. So two years. I left in March. I was like, I need to start gigging regularly. I left my job in March, and in July, I was working on telly. And in August, I got nominated for the. Perry. So that's what I mean. So that will that will draw from older comics. Oh, jealousy, probably. Yeah, yeah jealousy. Yeah. But so I won the Perrier, and then I think people are a little bit like, because of the energy and the difference, and they yeah. didn't know what to do with me on telly. Yeah. So the only thing to do with me was stand up because that was the thing I was smashing. So then I got all these big breaks really quickly. Yeah. And I went all on one channel. And I went, and it all happened a bit quickly, and I started, I'd got this wild haircut, and they put me in all these weird clothes, which I encouraged, I did encourage it, uh, and I thought, oh yeah, like Noel Fielding and all that lot, they're really yeah. cool, and of course it's the worst thing I could have done, because then people were like, hang on a second, you were just like in your jeans and t-shirt, why are you dressing like a cunt after ten minutes? And what got, sort of stuff are they getting you to wear? Is this on BBC Three? Like they that? weren't getting me to wear it, what it was, there was, there was a show we did... And it was all like really cool, like a tumble down cellar. With, it was like a student thing. Live at the electric. Live at the electric. Yeah. Um, there were a few things I, I pushed to change, like looking down the barrel of the camera. Yeah. But the feeling was we want to make it different to Live at the Apollo. So if you don't want to look down the barrel of the camera and do this certain style, don't do the job. Yeah. It was getting near that. Yeah. So I was like, do you know what? Look down the barrel of the camera, and I fully bought into all the things they said in the end, even though initially I had reservations. Yeah. I then started getting caught up in the cool, like a goth impresario persona. Yeah. And started really going for it. With I still wear the skinny jeans and stuff, but the hair was up here, and I just thought it's brilliant. I've got like a costume. I know I you had like a white stripe I in thought, your head. I thought, didn't you? I thought it was really cool. <laughs> I remember that. This only went on for about a year. I just wish someone had come to me and said, do you know what? Don't change too quickly because yeah. people might think, oh, you're not a real person after all if you can change that quickly. Yeah. The reality is I've just been on a council estate with my head down from aged five into my 20s. I never looked up because people, where I come from, you don't look up. You just do it. So yeah. my first time I ever had freedom. So I was doing what most people do at 14, 15. Yeah having freedom, playing, doing what I want, partying. I'd never done it. So I quickly realised what I'd done. Yeah. Sort myself out, comb my hair. But by then, I think there was a bit of... Why do you there? think during that time that you got a bit carried away with all the other stuff I've, going out? And... No, I don't think I did, actually. I mean, I never I never was... I had a problem with alcohol. Okay, I shagged about a bit when I was single, but I've always mostly had a girlfriend. But I think other people looking in mm. thought, why you just like you're lying about your age, you're acting younger than you are. Yeah. You've done something weird with your hair. Are yeah. you? Are you? Oh, we thought you were one of the good guys. You're just one of the cunts. Uh, but no one sat me down and I wish a manager or someone had gone. Russ, what are you doing? Stick a suit on, grow up. Yeah. You could lose everything here. Thankfully, just in time, someone did, and now everything's great again. But it was just that my rocket went up too quick. But it wasn't, but it wasn't like the stuff you were doing was bad. It no, was no, good, no. It was good stuff. There was just a lack of... That it could have come across like a lack of integrity. Right, right. Do you know what I mean? But if, you were young. If, you were you young know, if I saw you. you 
yeah. next week and you yeah. were suddenly in flares with an afro <laughs> and say, I'm now called Tom Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> like, no one could say you were a kiddie fiddler or you'd plagiarise <laughs> someone's material or you were a drug addict, but people would, when you spoke your material on stage, people would think, but is that... Is yeah. that really you? Yeah. We're very shallow creatures. It's weird in such a left-wing liberal profession where we accept everything. Me simply changing my hair yeah. drew the most criticism I've ever had from the most amount of people in my entire life and with real consequences as well. Really? Yeah, I started to lose work. Um, so what happened when... was It, it must have been like three, three or four years ago when you then changed the, the suits oh. and the... Well, when when I when I met I met Lindsay, thank God, I met I met Lindsay. She was like, "What are you doing? You're a grown up." Did you meet her in the middle of all that? She was in the front row of my old, of my crowd. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, I've heard. And that. Uh, and uh, she was like, "What are you doing? You you dress like a twat. Everyone thinks you look like a twat." She told me. She's like, "Everyone's saying you look like a twat." She's like, "Look here on the internet. Look here." And I was like, "Oh shit, do I?" She went, "Well, it's not that you look like a twat. It's just that." You look so different to how you did two years ago. It looks like you're, you're on drugs or you've had a nervous breakdown. Yeah. Whereas, in fact, I was like, I'm on telly. I'm going to wear outrageous clothes. Is it that sort of like... Because that was around the time of Russell Brand doing all that stuff. and Yeah. Well, he so was at the same sort of... But he always life. was out... He always was outrageous. He was yeah. the heroin taking MTV presenter. It's only because you changed. I, one time, was like, my mum, my dad, my cancer state, and the next minute I got a Camden haircut. People like, come, okay, see you right. later. It's only because he From always had it. It wasn't a big thing. This is, this is minor. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But thankfully Lindsay came along she's like what are you doing she went maybe it's time for a change change the scene change your management there was nothing wrong with my management mm. but I just wanted to shake things up a bit yeah. I've been at Avalon at that point however many years I don't know seven eight years and I thought I've never gone through my life without changing my job or shaking things up every yeah. few years so I don't want to fall into that habit now so yeah. I was like right change my management change the channels I'm working for and fi- finally finished puberty. It's been a long time fucking coming. And I literally cleared my wardrobe. Yeah. All my silly clothes. Still in real life, I still dress like a bellend because it's my genuine taste. <laughs> um, I put a, put a suit on, combed my hair, which took a lot of willpower. Yeah. Shave most days. And I haven't looked back since. And, pe- and uh, it's... There's, I guess it's a marrying of the boy I was when I started stand-up. Then yeah. there was the adolescence, and now I'm in my yeah. adult phase. Now I'm just wait, sort of enjoying this new stage at the moment, which is people... Are not, I've, I've done it to myself, really. People take me a lot younger than my age, but yeah. once I can catch my chronological age up with how people perceive me, I'm hoping there's like a, a more Jonathan Rossi, Graham Norton-y type sitting in the back of the chair interviewing people, statesman type career yeah. down the line. <laughs> that would be great, wouldn't it? So at the moment, I'm sort of stuck in primary school where I've been held back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it, it's good to, that people take you younger for your age, but at the same time, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that young and I, I am, I'm keen to, to host my own shows and work on BBC One and ITV. I, I, do, I do want to. So yeah. that's why I did my whole last show was about age because I thought... It's such a good subject to talk about, about how people never feel the right age they are. And I realised yeah. that a 21-year-old has this problem as much as a 41-year-old. Like Someone who's 20 feels a lot older, mm. feels, don't, don't treat me like I'm barely a teenager. I, I fucking, I'm, I'm 30 in my head, I've got my own flat, I know my yeah, political yeah, views, I yeah. could be married if I want, but I don't want to be. Like a lot, And you've got 40-year-olds feel the other way. You want to speak to the 70-year-olds... Yeah. And, and see their faces when I speak about feeling a bit older, then you, the insult that goes across their face. Yeah. I realised it was a really funny subject to 
jump off from. It's weird, because I, I when I sort of first met my manager, who's the same as you, I was like... Seven, Where are you at the moment, Avalon? Off the curb. You're at curb now, Yeah, right? yeah. So, of course so you are. I was, um, talking about. So I was like 17 when I met them for the first time, and I remember, I remember now, even though I'm only 21, I remember sort of saying things to them and f- sort of thinking that I knew a lot more than I did. Yeah. And even now, looking back, I think I must have been so sort of weird to be 17 and acting like you knew what you were doing but what but my experience of because my life really started my adult life like if you if you go back and think and back jump back in your head in the past and look out from your eyes there's loads there's like a big fuzzy bit where you're a kid and playing with your action men and going oh i'm gonna wee in the garden (laughs) and then all of a sudden it's the same brain you have now i know you might have yeah. Been a bit more immature when you're 17, but if you jumped into your 17 year old body, you roughly walk the same. You've got the adult views, you know, you know what you want from uh, from dating, you know what you want politically. It's, yeah. it's about 16, you suddenly go, Whoop, I'm grown. Yeah. And my experience has been this from about 21 to about 31, you're like, oh my god, can't believe I was thought I was grown up when I was 16. But then when you get past 31, you slowly realize that it's completely the other way around. The older you get, the less you know, the less confident you are. And I've got a, a, a sneaking feeling that when you get to about 80, age 16 to 20 is probably the most grown up you ever felt in your entire life. Felt. Yeah. The most confident and grown up you ever felt in your entire life was 16, 17, 18. And the older you get, the more you think, well, you know, I've still, I've still got lots to learn. Oh, God, I didn't know anything back then. But when you were 17, you're like, I know it all. Yeah. Fully adult. No one can teach me anything. Well, but even though you don't, but you just think you do. Yes, yeah, the most grown up you'll ever feel is yeah. about 17 years old. Yeah. And it's downhill from then to the point where you're, when people in the 60s and 70s are like, I've given up. Right? Yeah, fucking yeah, life's yeah. an adventure. I know nothing. We're all children. And but there's loads of like in in music and comedy and there's loads of great things that happen purely because someone's young and headstrong and yeah. they don't listen to people and then they end up creating something that no one's done before. Indeed. Purely because they're not listening to anyone because they're 21, 22. True, but it, very rarely in stand up. And the yeah. re- the reason the reason for that is and we should be glad really. It's a pain for someone like you. Because the number of stand-ups that do anything worth looking at, aged between 7 and 21, is tiny. It happens. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, Jack Whitehall, Ross Noble yeah. exist. But even someone like Russell Howard, mm. it seems to take... It seems to be 27, 28 is the magic age. And yeah. The, the reason is, it's not... It's the opposite rule to what you've just said. Mm. That's why I think there'd be some... You could start at 50 and be an absolutely amazing stand-up. Mm. I think it's more a period. I think you get about 20 years of being absolutely fucking mint as a stand-up. Mm. You, you get a 20-year window. Um, and it doesn't. it's not like being a footballer or a poet or a scientist where you're going to do your good shit when you're younger. Yeah, it's all when you're but older. It, it needs, it does, you don't need to be older. You've just got a 20-year window. But mm. if that 20-year window starts much before 25, you're probably going to have a bit of a wait, mm. just purely because most stand-up is experiential. Yeah. So unless you're a genius improviser, mm. like Ross Noble, mm. or a genius observer, like Russell Howard and McIntyre, and even they had to wait... You're prob- you you're coming off. You're not coming off of a deep enough bedrock. Yeah. And the audience are going to see straight through it. Doesn't yeah. matter how funny your adolescent years are. You're getting a fuck off. You must see it all the time in the eyes of the audience. Mm. You don't. 
you don't look too young if you know what I mean. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, <laughs> I'm not yeah, insulting yeah. you. Like you look, you, you <laughs> could get away with being 25, 26. Yeah. So people do trust you more. But if you look 21 and you talk about 21 year old things, yeah. 90% of your audience, even if they're 25, yeah. are going to give you a. You must see it all the time yeah. in the eyes to fuck off. Because yeah. I used to get it so much yeah. when I was new, cause I, because I look a bit younger than my age, I ended up telling people, oh no, I've done this, this and this, I've done my degree. I used to have to say it at the top yeah. to get people to trust me. Well, I do remember definitely like when I was sort of 18, 19 doing clubs, like clubs full of like 50 year old men yeah. and walking on stage and just, even I would think like, what have I got to say to these people? Like, yeah. 18 year old kid, what am I going to say to these like 350 year old men? Yeah. that they're going to have any interest in. And it turned out it was, thank you very much, good night. Yeah, yeah, but it's just, <laughs> you know. It's bit, the only way you could smash that was if you went on with a deadpan face and was like, here are some one-liners, and they were fucking mint. Yeah. Because they transcend experience. Yeah. I mean, or, polit- or politics. Yeah. Is, is, is stand-up and touring something you want to be doing yeah. sort of forever? I want full Ken Dodd it all the way to the really? finish line. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like... like if you'd have told me that I would be more more productive and faster now, it mm. goes against everything we know about science of cognition and brain and human development. Yeah. Yet there is no doubt about it. I don't know if it's the food we were talking about earlier, the, the food I'm eating, like all the bulletproof coffees or because or, or I'm looking after myself or just because I'm just hitting that middle, I'm in that middle peak of that 20-year thing. Mm. But the speed at which I can go from, right, let's do a joke about televisions, and you, you would send me in there for two minutes. I've yeah. come back with a routine now faster than two years ago yeah. by about 20%, mm. which doesn't make sense. Yeah, I should be like, where's my worthers? <laughs> but, and I'm, so I'm doing these things now called canings where I'm improvising stand-up. Yeah. Improvising material, not improvising stuff. Well, I can't use that tomorrow because there won't be someone with a funny hat in the front row. I can go, right, I want to do a routine about Lindsay. I want to do a routine about men and women driving. I'll just go to the 99 Club tonight, see what comes out of my mouth. Yeah. Then I'll come back and have a routine. That's yeah. new. That's mm. just started the last couple of years. So as long as I've got that skill, mm. why wouldn't I continue? So if I'm, if I'm coming into sort of a peak now so far as how I can write... And I don't see why I would want to give it up in the next 15, 20 years max. But who so in, sen- in the sense of you talk about that like 20 year period, where do you think, where do you, think you are? In Bang like, in the middle, like right. the 10 year thing. Yeah. Well, I am, I'm literally 10 years in. Yeah. And I think when you hit a decade in this business, at five years, how long have you been in three years? Four years, yeah. At five years, for most of us, yeah. is the point where you can step on stage and think, do you know what, I'm just going to fucking mess around with that in the front row and see what happens you're that level of statesman like mm. improvisational confidence allows you to find space in the material as well yeah. before that if you've written a really funny routine about going to thailand you're always going to do oh no i've got to need to get to the bit where i get food poisoning mm. but as soon as after five years the space opens and the confidence like if we were having a conversation now we might go off in different directions mm-hmm. that's at five years in the next five years there's almost like a like you know in um in a if you seen a movie called a beautiful mind with russell Crowe, yeah, where yeah. he opens his eyes and you can see 
like the numbers yeah. and stuff. You start to walk into a room. You don't even need to go on stage. You stand at the back and go, right, yeah, that's going to happen there. That'll happen. That energy, yeah, compares in that mood. And like, in. Yeah. So then you become like a, a master, if you like, of the profession. About ten years in. But I don't think, I think that's more you than... But most... Because I, I think on stage if you're good, you can if, see how quickly your brain works. If you're, if you're good, I mean. Yeah. No, no, I think anyone who's good with yeah. that much experience, whether they're Jack D... Yeah. Or Jimmy Carr, Frankie Boyle. Yeah. All those people that have got a decade of experience can yeah. do that, trust me. They can saunter on and they know the score instantly. Yeah. I'm sure one in a thousand gigs, they still get surprised. Yeah. But they know. They yeah. know how it's going to go. They probably know it's sound check. It's just, it's just, it, you just learn it. You learn, you learn everything. You can't help it. What I think is quite weird, which I've noticed only in the last few months, is when, um, because I kind of feel like I'm at a stage now where I'm sort of slight starting to sort of calm down and be more relaxed on stage yeah, a little five, bit. Because you're approaching five years. Yeah. There's it's, it's something magic about that five-year mark. But it's that thing of being on stage, like the comedy store, for example, and sort of smashing it, but not really giving a shit in your head. While you're smashing of, it, yeah. yeah and you afterwards, sort of, do you still buzz off it afterwards? No, I do, but, but I had an experience the other week where I was doing a weekend at the comedy store... And the late show was going so well, but I didn't really, in my head, I was just going, sort of, yeah, just, you know. But that was the first time I've ever felt, normally, if the gig's yeah. going really well, I'm like, oh, this is, this is amazing. Well, you can't, I still get, particularly if I'm doing a two-hour show, the out-of-body thing, where yeah. you're suddenly looking down at yourself doing stand-up, you're like, oh, shit, shit, I'm concentrating. Yeah. You're, like, you're not in the moment. Yeah. And that can happen in anything in life. Yeah. But... Yeah, if I could give a tip to any stand-up, is definitely try to feel. The more you feel what you're speaking, mm. the more you like you put your genuine emotions in, the, you, the better the gig will be, the better yeah. the audience will be. Yeah. The better, the better your career will go. Even it, This career is like up and, up and down. You'll mm. have moments where you're the next big thing and then you're like, oh, yeah, I've made a mistake with my life and that's how it goes the whole time. Yeah. It's incredibly... Have a great run at it. Like if you look what Rob and Ramesh are doing, for example, they they're doing a steady climb, in my opinion, all the way to the fucking top. Yeah. And power to them. The two of the loveliest blokes you'll ever meet. Mm. But for most of us, it's incredibly steep shit, followed by a flat bit, followed by oh my god, there's a cliff go that way. Yeah. So the best, the only consistent thing you can do is be on stage smashing your gigs and like doing them from the heart, particularly if you're doing biographical material. Yeah. But it's easier said than done. You are going to have nights where you feel a bit dead on the inside, particularly if you're doing two gigs on the on the night. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Yeah, how many doing it twice in the night is. Well, the that day I was talking about was a Saturday night in um, in London, and I'd done five gigs, so that was the fifth one of the night. So I think that was why I was just a bit like, oh, this does. There you go. Just too much. That's all it is. Yeah, it's a mecha- it's what's called a like the the. I, I've only studied acting from books in my, in my own time, but the yeah. main guy is called Stan Lasky and he's all about, he's the one like Robert De Niro and Al Pacino about method acting yeah. and how you get into feeling it. And there's some people are really good mechanical performers. Yeah. So you'll still be laughing your ass off and crying. And as an audience member, you would never know yeah. that that thing was missing because mechanically it was perfect. Yeah. It moved in the right way, they delivered the line perfect. But that is totally different from a method full performance where you let the anger go through you if it's about a parking ticket for example mm. uh, or you let the despair or you, or the laughter at something your dad said has to come through you for, for real 
Yeah. The more you can do that. And the best what and if you can't do it because you're not an actor and that all sounds a bit scary, the best way to do it, I think, is to not have too much of a set script. Mm. To have bullets, to have beats and words you got hit, but to have flow around that so you can change it each night. Yeah. That's what I do. Keep, yeah. So that's why I don't get bored. The last two is 120 days. I was still fucking hungry for it, like animal, like on on the end. Changing things and. I just I know I know what's gonna happen in the routine. Yeah. I know Lindsay's gonna say that. I know this is gonna happen. I know I'm definitely gonna use this line, that line, that line. But the rest is all up for grabs. Yeah. To the point where people who came and saw the tour two or three times really noticed that. That it was different. They they. It's funny listening to people because I did the same routines. But they feel like I've done a completely different show. The show is completely different. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. It's exactly the same with slightly different words. Because the emotions are real. Yeah. They felt things in different places. Because I've felt things in different places depending on what mood I'm in. So they remember a different show. It's that powerful. The difference yeah. between a mechanical and a, and, a, and, a, and a performance where you feel it. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? It's mad. I think I was, I, there was something I was going to. Um, talk to you particularly about but because you seem like I was chatting to someone the other day about the fact that they think t- in order to write interesting stuff you, you've got to make sure that you're sort of doing a lot and yeah. keeping your brain is in like reading and yeah. watching films and travelling and all that just doing things that are keeping you interested in and yeah. you s- definitely seem like someone who may, whether it's a conscious effort or you just are not genuinely interested in a lot of things. Yes, yeah, I, I think there's definitely something in that. All the science backs that up. Yeah. You know, you're getting less likely to get Alzheimer's if you learn a language and do puzzles, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So the, I always think the best way to try and find if something is true about the human brain, yeah. there's two ways. One, look at it cross-culturally, what happens in other countries and other cultures, and B, what happens at the beginning and end of life when things are more extreme. Yeah. Um, so... For for example, for like I said, children that are given proper intellectual stimulation, their brains will develop in a proper way. And older people that are trying to fight off dementia, one of the best ways to do it is give them a fucking puzzle book or get them learning French or get them to go out meeting people. So that those rules will be the same for us lot in the middle. Yeah. Therefore, if you're a stand-up and your main tool is your brain, why would you want to let it turn to mush? Mm. That's not... The danger then is you slip into snobbery. That mm. doesn't, for you... Well, for me, rather, I watch Towie every week. I watch yeah. it, but I watch it actively. Yeah. I, I laugh. I'm thinking of ideas. I'm interacting with the program. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, there's a there's a trend. There's a turning over of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, obviously, I love literature, and I've got quite poncy tastes, and I'm learning. I am learning French at the moment. At the same time, why? Why the fuck not? So I do do all that stuff to keep the cogs turning. Yeah. But there's not like a continuum with someone who watches EastEnders at the bottom. Yeah, and, and Stuart Lee reading Wittgenstein at the top. As long as your brain is jumping into the material, as I call it, yeah, because we're busy. So you, you you can't you can't go to Botswana backpacking just to get a routine. <laughs> but if long as you keep your active brain going when you're watching Tower or when you're seeing your mates, like my my notes on my phone fills up each week, even if I don't go out a single time. Yeah. This week, loads of funny stuff has happened. Yeah. Like the takeaway turned up the other night and something funny happened, so I immediately go and write it down. So as long as, long as you're going actively into experiences, yeah. the danger is if you just like become like a Facebook vegetable and drink too much, any sort of chemical or alcohol abuce, Yeah, you'll, you'll see the creativity start just to... just being aware. Yeah, and yeah. But, but if you can do the more active, difficult ones, do them. Mm. If you can 
get yourself to fucking Venice for the weekend with your girlfriend, walk around, look at shit, get mm. drunk, go to a gallery, go to a local square, see what happens. Mm. But don't go to write, just go to experience. Do keep, I always try and keep a non-comedy related thing on the go. So at the moment I'm learning French, mm. a little app. Always something. Yeah. Always have a book on the go, always. Good audio book. Anything that challenges your thinking, listen to debate-based podcasts because they tend to get the part of your brain that debates going. And then that same part of the brain will be in the line in Sainsbury's and go, why does it have to be that way? You think that's quite funny. And you'll write it down. So listen yeah. to Moral Maze, listen to In Our Time, listen to Question Time, any questions. Yeah, get yeah. into all that shit. I think, because I, I, I feel like it can be an industry where you get you can get too sucked into it and it becomes your entire existence well this is the other thing that probably hasn't done me many favors i don't do it on purpose yeah it's happened accidentally my mates are my mate wayne i met when i was six at infant school my mate dan i met swimming when i was eight (laughs) my mate lee i met infant school when i was seven yeah scott 16 martin 11 they're my core group of five mates. Yeah. I don't hang out and go drinking with comics. Not because I'm like unfriendly and don't think comics are great people. I yeah. just love my mates from home. Yeah. I've never got round to dumping them. I see my mum, my nan, my aunties, my cousins. And what I've realised over the years, accidentally, what a fucking brilliant move that was. Because mm. you can watch all the comedians that hang together because they start to get the same voice, the same ideas oh my god have you seen the new joey joey mctavish special it's like some american you know they wank off over the same american comedians i've never heard of (laughs) don't watch too much american comedy yeah try not to watch any if you can bear to yeah there are some people worth watching like chris rock but if you watch you can watch the people that have watched too many netflix specials yeah and they, they even stand with like their left foot slightly out in front of the mic. <laughs> and then they go and hang out with like, you know, Bobby John and everyone who went it was I in, do the, think in the same year at Lancaster Uni important. and have the same bands. Yeah, and yeah. Then, and then of course you, lo- you lose it because you go up to Edinburgh and people think you're copying each other. But what it is, you've hung around. I'm not saying don't be friends with other comics. Yeah. And, then, and, and go out, but don't make it your life. Make your life, your mum, your dad, your family's from home. Your kids, your missus, that's your, your life. And with the occasional, like me and Stephen Grant go out for coffee or yeah. out for lunch or I might go out, out for dinner now and again with Brodkin. But I'm not like five nights a week, you know, putting the world to rights in a trendy Camden pub with Johnny McPerrier Newcomer and everyone. <laughs> because it's just, it's dangerous. Yeah. Don't burn your own style. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, all the people I hang out with are all schoolmates. And... That's the best way to be. Yeah. Look at look at look at the people that are truly fucking excellent mm. at stand up. I don't care what what. Let's put snobbery aside for a second. Let's look at Peter Kay. Let's look at Michael McIntyre. They all live quite Let's look at Russell life. Howard. Let's yeah. look at Stuart Lee, Daniel Kitson, yeah. Frankie Boyle. Have you ever seen them sat in the wanker pub swilling beer with five other people? going through the orange prize list and doing roll up cigarettes <laughs> uh, it's all the stuff I did it I did it uni I did it uni yeah. and the stuff that I, I do but I do that with my yeah well not my mates from home they're all carpenters and plumbers but yeah I just if I got a night off I'll spend it I'd rather go for dinner with Lindsay or hang out with a daughter or something yeah 
Well, she's two, so she's not very good because we're boring at the moment. <laughs> but yeah, do you know what I mean? It's, I'm not saying it's to be horrible. I'm yeah. saying it as as a, you're asking if the if this world can consume you. Yeah, it can on that level. Yeah. So if you're living your life on the road and service stations, doing gigs and hanging with comics, sooner or later, you're going to start doing routines with... I'll tell you something else that happened to me at a gig once. Yeah, and it which, all just becomes about other gigs. Which is not a problem. Sometimes yeah. genuinely funny, um, transcendent things happen at gigs. So yeah. like, yes, I got heckled at a gig once by a Shakespeare tutor, but it led to a general story. Yeah. So if you're doing a something happened to me at a gig once routine, make sure it takes you into a... A universal truth. Yeah. Otherwise, you it means you are disappearing. Yeah. Into the comedy bumhole, as I call it. Russell Kane there, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I really enjoyed that chat. I thought he was incredibly uh, intelligent and uh, and had an awful lot to say. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much to Russell for having me round to his house to record that. Uh, thank you very much to you for listening, uh, of course. Thank you to Will Shahada for the editing, um, Joel Grove for producing the show, my manager Rick Hughes for all your help, and uh, I've been told to, to tell you to subscribe, if you haven't already, and give it five stars on iTunes. Apparently that helps a lot. And we'll be back next week with another guest. Thank you for listening. See you next week. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.